Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. Well, my name's Jonathan, and I've been honored with the opportunity to speak with you today and to give the message. And I want to start off the message this morning by asking you a question. And this is an important question that each one of us must consider. Are you living your life in light of eternity? The Lord has raised us from the dead and called us into eternal life so that we can produce good fruit for His kingdom. That is why Yeshua came and died for us. We produce fruit, either good or bad, in how we manage the resources and giftings that are given to us by the Lord. In order to stay on track, we must continually consider how would Yeshua be using the resources that I've been given? How would Yeshua use the giftings that He gave me? One strategy to evaluate how we are doing is to set spiritual goals. So as we enter into this new year, let us each set goals that will have an everlasting impact. So while thinking about this concept of setting spiritual goals, I I, I personally, when I started researching it, had trouble. I was thinking, what is a spiritual goal? What does that really mean? And I got led down this path of studying and looking at uh, staying eternally minded. How do we keep our our eyes and our focus on Yeshua? So I'm going to now go over seven steps to stay eternally minded, or how we can evaluate in our own lives if we are staying eternally minded. So the first step or evaluation technique to determine if we are staying eternally minded is if we are eternally minded, our mission will be aligned with God's mission. Uh, so the next question would come up, well, what, what is a mission? And so uh, let's look at that. When on a mission, you have a specific task you want to achieve, and this next part's important, and a plan on how to achieve that goal. And this is different from doing things haphazardly or based on our emotions or how we feel. And then I'm going to give an example from my personal life growing up. So, for example, uh, most families, they have to buy groceries. And when you need to buy groceries, you can approach shopping in a few different ways. One approach, and this is the approach that we often used uh, in my household growing up, is we would just kind of go to the store and we'd look around and we'd say, you know, I want some Captain Crunch. So then we'd pick up some Captain Crunch cereal. 
And then we'd be like, well, we bought cereal, so we need to get milk, so we'd pick up a gallon of milk. And you know, you keep doing that, and you go through all the aisles, and by the time you're done, you have this huge cart, and yeah, you, you shop in that way. You buy all those things. And that's an example of shopping haphazardly. So when you get home, you may find that you bought things that you already had, like you already had half a gallon of milk in the fridge, and now you bought a whole other gallon of milk. And you may find that you didn't get some things that you did need. Maybe you didn't buy toothpaste. A sign that your family is shopping this way is when you go to open your pantry or your fridge, and this really happened in our household with the freezer above the fridge, we'd go to open the door and inevitably something would fall out and attack us. (laughs) So that's a sign that you're shopping haphazardly. But a better approach would be to make a list of the things you need first by going through your pantry and your fridge. Maybe you discuss with the people you live with the things that they need. And you write those things down on a list. And then when you go to the store, you pick up the items and you check the items off your list. You don't get anything more. You don't get anything less. And that is an example of being on a mission. So now that we know what a mission is, What is God's mission? God's mission throughout Scripture is to redeem humanity from our fallen state, from our sin, so that we could have a full and eternal relationship with Him. God's plan to achieve this mission was to send Yeshua, His only Son, into the world to pay the penalty that we deserve for our transgressions that I deserve. He fulfilled the mission by dying on the cross and bearing the penalty of our sins. So that first step to staying eternally minded is our mission is aligned with God's mission. The second step or evaluation technique to stay eternally minded is our vision is aligned with God's eternal vision. So what is a vision? When we have vision, we anticipate the ultimate realization of our purpose. And that sentence is kind of complex, so I'm going to say it again. When we have vision, we anticipate the ultimate realization of our purpose. So to have vision, we have to first understand who we are and our purpose, and then see in our, in our minds, have this concept of what would it really look like if I was experiencing my purpose to the fullest. An example of a vision statement for Teach for America is that one day all children in this nation will have the opportunity to attain an excellent education. So that's what Teach for America perceives would be the ultimate realization of their purpose. To have spiritual vision, therefore, we must know ourselves and become educated and seek ways to grow in our giftings so that ultimately we can use those giftings to serve one another in community. Proverbs teaches us the importance of vision. In Proverbs 29.18, we read, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. We must, therefore, have spiritual vision in order to keep our eyes on Yeshua. Because if we don't, we will be swayed by sin and be distracted from our calling by the world. So what is God's vision? 
God's vision for humanity is to eliminate sin and death. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 58, Look, I will tell you a secret. Not all of us will die, but we all will be changed. It will take but a moment, the blink of an eye, at the final shofar. For the shofar will sound, and the dead will be raised to live forever, and we too will be changed. For this material, which can decay, must be clothed with imperishability. This which is mortal must be clothed with immortality. When what decays puts on imperishability and what is mortal puts on immortality, then this passage in the Tanakh will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The sting, the sting of death is sin, and sin draws its power from the Torah. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. So my dear brothers, stand firm and immovable, always doing the Lord's work as vigorously as you can, knowing that united with the Lord, your efforts are not in vain. So please, take your inheritance of eternal life to heart and have faith that your unique gifts were not given to you in vain, but for God's purpose for your life. So the second evaluation technique is our vision aligns with God's eternal vision. The third step in evaluating whether we're maintaining an eternal vision is our goals align with Scripture. So the first step in having our goals aligned with Scripture is we must be educated on Scripture. We must read Scripture. But after we're in the habit of reading Scripture, we should pray about our spiritual goals, and we should ask for guidance and make clear our requests to the Lord. And I want to point out that in learning uh, our goals and being in line with Scripture and praying, we need to keep our prayers specific and I don't just think that from a standpoint of, well, it's important that we know what we want in a human sense, but it seems like God guides us in a spiritual way towards making our desires specific. So we're going to look at and learn from God's specificity in his commands and how we are to serve him, because we're not supposed to serve him in our way, but in his way, and he's specific about it. God often gives us specific instructions in Torah of how to serve him. And because today is Yom Teruah, I want us to read from Numbers 29, 1 through 6 and how we're supposed to observe the feast. And pay attention to how specific and all the different pieces of specific information that the Lord gives as we go through Numbers 29, 1 through 6. In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you are to have a holy convocation. Do not do any kind of ordinary work. It is a day of blowing the shofar for you. Prepare a burnt offering to make a fragrant aroma for Adonai. One young bull, one ram, and seven male lambs in their first year, and without defect, with their grain offering, consisting of fine flour mixed with olive oil, six quarts for the bull, 
four quarts for the ram and two quarts for each of the seven lambs. Also, one male goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. This is to be in addition to the burnt offering for Rosh Hodesh with its grain offering, the regular burnt offerings with its grain offering, and their drink offerings according to the rule for them. This will be a fragrant aroma, an offering made by fire to Adonai. So we see here in Numbers 29 that God is very specific in how he wants us to serve him. So similarly, our request to the Lord should be specific. We learn from Scripture that God often requires that we know what we want and make specific requests. And I like this, a story that occurs in Matthew 29, uh, 20, 29 through 34. We read about the account of two blind men in a crowd shouting and asking for Yeshua to have pity on them. And Yeshua called them out of the crowd and asked them, What do you want me to do for you? They answered him, Lord, open our eyes. Now Yeshua knew what they wanted before they asked. God knows the desire of our hearts before we ask. I implore you, however, we need to be like the blind men and ask him anyway. So a word of caution when we're asking the Lord uh, to guide us and to help us achieve and fulfill our goals. We don't want to let our goals supersede the Lord's will when we pray. And the importance of having our heart in the right place is really emphasized in James 4, 1 through 3. James asks, What is causing all the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it your desires battling inside you? You desire things and you don't have them. You kill and you are jealous, and you still can't get them. So you fight and you quarrel. The reason you don't have is that you don't pray, or you pray and you don't receive because you have the wrong motive, that of wanting to indulge your own desire. So how do we formulate spiritual goals? I don't have, there's not a specific methodology that I think works for everyone, but a specific spiritual goal should answer the following questions. What do I want to accomplish? How is God glorified through this action? And what practical needs or limiting factors do I need to consider in carrying out this goal? And then an example of a specific spiritual goal for tithing might sound like the following. Lord, thank you for your provision for me and my household. I have purposed in my heart to set aside the first 10% of my take-home pay from each paycheck to invest in your kingdom. Help me to remember this prayer so that I can ensure that I am always providing first for the kingdom and not myself, in the same way that you did not withhold your first and only son, Yeshua, from me. I pray these things in his name and merit. Amen. So to go over how that answers the questions, we can first ask, well, what do we want to accomplish? We want to set aside the first 10% of our paycheck in this instance to tithe. And then how is God glorified through this action? Well, we can look at various places in scriptures where we're commanded to be generous and commanded to tithe. And then what practical needs or limiting factors do I need to address to accomplish this goal is answered um, with th this concept of remembering. I don't know about everybody he else here, but I know that I don't always think or remember to take that first money out of my paycheck. I'm thankful here that we now have PayPal and I can have it on auto draft, so I don't have to worry about that. But prior to doing it on PayPal, 
sometimes I would forget and not set aside that first. It's not that I wouldn't give it, but it would be failing the purpose that I'd set in my heart to give the first 10%. We don't want to give just any 10% in this instance and in this prayer. So the third step is our goal needs to align with Scripture. The fourth step or evaluation technique for being eternally minded is we are introspective and we submit to the Ruach's correction. So we want to evaluate how well we are achieving our spiritual goals once we set them. And if we're doubting our ability to give an honest assessment, we may consider praying with fellow believers and enter into an accountability relationship with them. The Ruach, though, will convict our wayward behavior if we let him. So we also should evaluate our relationship with the Ruach and ask the Lord to reveal our failings to us. Because he knows our ways already, and our failings are clear to him anyway. We're not hiding or tricking the Lord. We're only lying and tricking ourselves when we don't see our failings. We read in Psalms 139, 1-6, Adonai, you have probed me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand up. You discern my inclinations from afar. You scrutinize my daily activities. You are so familiar with all my ways that before I speak even a word, Adonai, you know all about it already. You have hemmed me me both in behind and in front and laid your hand on me. Such wonderful knowledge is beyond me, far too high for me to reach. So we learn from Psalms that the conviction and correction is for our benefit, not for the Lord's. We should therefore thank him for correction and be encouraged by his willingness that he cares so much for us that he wants to change us to be more like Yeshua each day. So the fourth step or evaluation technique is we listen to the Ruach's correction. The fifth step or evaluation technique is we are fully equipped for God's service. So one of the key components of our liturgy that we recite each week is the Vea Hafta, found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And that's where we remember the commandment to love the Lord and to maintain a godly household. Before we consider entering into more tangible aspects of preparation and goal setting for the kingdom, we must first prepare our hearts. And that's so important that I want to say it again and reiterate it. Before we consider entering into more tangible aspects of preparation and goal setting for the kingdom, we must first prepare our hearts. And in my life, I find that a good sign of a prepared heart is when I'm spontaneously giving thanks to the Lord, not doing it out of compulsion or because I'm in, this, in synagogue that day, but because I'm moved by the Spirit to give thanks. And I don't know what that looks like in everybody else's life, but at those times in my life, I find that I'm more sensitive and attentive to the Ruach. So be introspective, evaluate your relationship with the Ruach, and find those times when you're really listening to him, when you set the goals and you want to have your heart prepared. The preparation of our minds and bodies, so the more practical aspects, will really relate to the specific goal that the Lord is calling us towards. These can take the form of educational materials like books and classes to prepare for teaching and ministry work, It can take the form of partnering with organizations that can train you on how to do overseas mission works and equip you with the financial necessities to do that. 
But in some cases, you might already have a skill, and the preparation can be as simple as asking your community for places to plug in. For example, if, you're, if you already know how to play a musical instrument, you're already a member of the congregation, you may just need to talk with Christopher, for example, about how to get involved. Another thing is, if you already are experienced uh, with dance in other areas of your life, you might decide to come and join the dance and, and learn the, the worship steps we do here. Another thing that you can do that's kind of simple is, is we can make sure that we're in, in the right physical shape uh, to partake in service of the Lord. For example, we, we may need to up our stamina so we can help with doing things like cleaning the synagogue, helping put up and down chairs, Things that seem kind of small in a human sense might make a big impact for the kingdom. And a word of caution in preparation and, and goal setting. We don't want to compare how we're doing to others. When we compare ourselves to others, we open ourselves up to sin of either self-righteousness or despondence. We are each unique, and our life circumstances are unique. Your main competition should be with yourself and your eyes fixed on Yeshua. As we read in Hebrews 12, So then, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us too put aside every impediment that is the sin which easily hampers our forward movement and keep running with endurance in the contest set before us looking away to the initiator and completer of that trusting, Yeshua, who in exchange for obtaining the joy set before him, endured execution on a stake as a criminal, scorning the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes, think about him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you won't grow tired or become despondent. And I actually like visualizing races um, when we talk about comparing ourselves to others. When, when runners are running a race, they're in different lanes, so they're like really close to one another. But it's important to stay in your lane. Uh, for one, you're, you're probably violating some type of race rule. But also, uh, we, we don't want to get off track. We want to be on our, our path. When we look to the people that are failing, maybe, in our view, maybe not in God's view, and we look behind us, well, now we're going to turn backwards. <laughs> and if, if we think that somebody's doing way better than us, and they're beating us in this race, uh, we're going to look their direction, and we're going to turn that way and gravitate towards that direction. So I just think that's a, a cool visualization of a race. So the fifth evaluation technique we want to keep in mind for staying eternally minded is we are fully equipped for the Lord's service. The sixth step or evaluation technique to stay eternally minded that we want to look at and follow is that when we're eternally minded, we follow God's timing for our lives and not our own. So that's important, and I'm bad at this. I have a problem with patience. Lord, I pray for patience. <laughs> is that we follow God's timing for our lives and not our own. We don't become impatient. We want to confirm with God the proper time to act. And if we're unsure about the proper time to act, we don't, we're not sure if we're hearing, hearing the Lord clearly. We're not sure if we have the right message from the Ruach. Uh, in our heart, we don't have peace. We should consider asking other believers to confirm the goal 
with the Ruach. And this is especially true when we set large or let's say life-changing goals into practice. Let's say that involves a career change or moving to a different part of the world. We might ask for our friends who are believers to pray with us about that and to get peace that it's the right time. And we, and we want to do that with believers in, in, instead of non-believers because those who are born again in Yeshua are led by one spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. And he will give us consistent information. Sometimes we can have good heart intentions also, but not be in line with God's timing. And I like looking at the example of David when he wanted to build the temple. God basically told him no. But he told David that he would not build the temple, but that his son would build the temple. And instead of being discouraged, David responded with praise to the Lord. We read in 2 Samuel 7, May your name be magnified forever, so that it will be said, Adonai Savot is God over Israel, and the dynasty of your servant David will be set up in your presence. You, Adonai Savot, God of Israel, have disclosed to your servant, I will build you a house. This is why your servant has the courage to pray this prayer to you. Now, Adonai Elohim, you alone are God. Your words are truth, and you have made this wonderful promise to your servant. So may it please you to bless the family of your servant, and therefore cause it to continue forever in your presence. For you, Adonai Elohim, have said it. May your servant's family be blessed forever by your blessing. So, I, so let us be encouraged when the God corrects our timing. Let us be like David in these moments and listen to what God is telling us. Let us hear God's blessing in the answers to our prayers so that at these times of correction, we can grow in love for the Lord instead of becoming resentful of the Lord for not following our timing. So the sixth step or evaluation technique for staying eternally minded is we follow God's timing in our lives and not our own. The seventh and final technique or step for in evaluation of staying eternally minded is we use our gifts to serve the community. So when we are eternally minded, we will be using our gifts to serve the community. God gave us each innate abilities and inclinations. When we use these abilities and inclinations in service of the community, the Ruach sanctifies us and works through us to enhance these abilities. This is what is often referred to as spiritual giftings. We can recognize that we are using our spiritual gifts properly when we see good fruit being produced. And and what that really means is that other people in the community are benefiting and reaping the harvest of that gift. It's experiential to them. You're giving back to the community. That is what producing good fruit looks like. We all have different spiritual gifts, and we are all part of the body of Messiah. We therefore experience the fullness of Messiah when we each are exercising our giftings with the heart of a servant. We read in 1 Corinthians 12, Now you together constitute the body of Messiah, and individually you are parts of it. And God has placed in the Messianic community, first, emissaries, second, prophets, 
Third, teachers. Then those who work miracles. Then those with gifts of healing. Those with the ability to help. Those skilled in, in, in administration. And those who speak in various tongues. Now hear this next part, because it's really, it's really critical that we understand it. That not all are emissaries, are they? Not all are prophets, are they? Or teachers? Or miracle workers? Not all have the gifts of healing. Not all speak in tongues. Not all interpret. Do they? So we each have different spiritual giftings. And we shouldn't look at that and see somebody else's spiritual gift and then desire after that. The Lord gave you abilities and gifts. Pray, study scripture, discover who you are, who the Lord made you to be, and then give yourself back to the community. And ultimately, our choices to whether or not to use our gifts in service of Yeshua has eternal consequences. Yeshua explains our purpose in the metaphor of the vine in John 15. Yeshua says, I am the real vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch which is part of me, but fails to bear fruit, he cuts off. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So let's be thankful for the pruning of the Lord. Right now, because of the word which I have spoken to you, you are pruned. Stay united with me as I will with you. For just as the branch can't put forth fruit by itself apart from the vine, so you can't bear fruit apart from me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who stay united with me, and I with them, are the ones who bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can't do a thing. Unless a person remains united with me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire where they are burned up. If you remain united with me and my words with you, then ask whatever you want and it will happen for you. This is how my Father is glorified in you bearing much fruit. And this is how you will prove to be my Talmudim. I therefore implore each one of us here who's a believer in Yeshua, my brothers and sisters, that we respond to the words of Yeshua, that he is the vine and that we are the branches. And he wants each one of us to produce good fruit. I pray that we don't let our branch wither and fall away. So in conclusion, I have laid out these seven steps for staying eternally minded. We're going to go through them one more time. One, our mission is aligned with God's mission. Two, our vision is aligned with God's eternal vision. Three, our goals align with Scripture. Four, we are introspective and submit to the Ruach's correction. Five, we are fully equipped for the Lord's service. Six, 
we follow God's timing for our lives. And seven, we use our gifts to serve the community. So then I'm going to repeat the question I asked at the start. Are you living your life in light of eternity? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for this day, this time of celebrating your feast of Yom Teruah. When we hear the shrill blast of the shofar, let it call each one of us to spiritual attention. Let it bring alive in our lives the calling that you have put on each believer, each one of us, so that we can be led into your service. Let us answer the call today. For we know that you want your Talmudim to make an eternal impact in, in the world today, in the here and now, so that we can save souls. Lord, thank you for this community. Thank you for keeping us safe and adoring us throughout this year. And help us as we enter into this new year to have our eyes focused on you so that we can run the race set before us. We pray these things in the name and merit of Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pina Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10.40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.